Sweet. Here we are. Three. Episode 11. You're counting down? No. Where's your, where's your little sound that you're now? Oh, <laughs> yeah, can't start the show without the rah. <laughs> Today's a cool topic. Um, we're going to look at gut health, especially for athletes, why it's important for athletes, but for all of us, I guess. And uh, we are lucky enough to be joined by Kate, who is our Masashi naturopath. Special, <laughs> special, special guest today. Um, Kate holds a Bachelor in Health Science and um, is our resident guru on gut mm-hmm. health. So thanks cool. for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's um, it's a cool topic and it's a topic that's come to light in the last um, few years, really. It's becoming more and more important. Heaps, um, of, heaps of new research always coming out in gut mm. health and, you know, always. Um, it's kind of something that was um, never viewed as something too important, but now it's, you know, critical to health, performance. Absolutely. Everything. Absolutely. The gut is everything yeah. to do with health. And it's, it's crept its way into sports and nutrition as well, which is pretty cool because mm. back in the day, you've got your sort of old school bodybuilders. They're just really concerned about macronutrients and getting enough protein, getting enough carbs and fat. And their guts but were terrible. Guts were terrible. So it's like, what's the point of, of consuming all these calories and macronutrients if you've got poor gut health? Absolutely. You're not going to absorb it. You're not going to utilize it. You're That's not it. Going to grow to the, ma- well, to the optimum. I yeah, you're not going to utilise those nutrients that you're taking in. So mm. what what sparked your interest in gut health? You sound like Darren when you say gut health is everything. It is. Darren it says is. amino acids are everything. <laughs> well, amino acids well, play a big role. Amino yeah. acids are everything <laughs> if you're absorbing them, but if you're not going to absorb them, then there's no point, is there? Uh, well, gut health is, um, I guess what sparked my interest is the fact that I, as a naturopath, everything is around the gut if your gut isn't functioning and it's not healthy and at its best it is not going to you're not going to get the best out of your food and Mm. there's no point in putting rubbish in and expecting to get good performance right so what's the point in putting good food in and if it's not being absorbed and broken down in the first place and then absorbed and then obviously you know further down in the in the intestines being uh, fermented and then getting all of those benefits of everything that's there. So it's um, every naturopath I ever speak to, whenever a client comes in, they're, they're always like the first place I start is, is, is the gut. Absolutely. Yeah. Why, what is gut health? What, like, it's a broad question. Mm, but, it is um, a broad question. It's almost like how long is a piece of string. Yeah. Uh, however, what is gut health, I guess? Gut health in a way... You, you know, if you have a healthy gut, it's the absence of any symptoms and it's the absence of any um, issues like uh, bloating, um, constipation, flatulence, all that sort of stuff. Um, but also, you know, to, to I guess, define good gut health is that, as we've just spoken about, is um, breaking down, absorbing and getting the most out of your um, having a healthy microbiome. That's a term that everyone's starting to become familiar with. It's mm. become really popular lately, which is excellent that people are starting to hear about it and it's becoming a common a commonly used term because it's important. Can you um, um, can you break break down the term for microbiome? For it basically means all of the germs that you have on you and that you are meant to have. A healthy microbiome is all of those bacteria that are beneficial, and you are host to trillions. <laughs> I'll just put it out there: trillions. You are covered in them. They're all on your skin. Um, they're everywhere. So microbiome. Is life. Yes. It is. <laughs> really. There is theories out there that we're, well, we are just an organism that hosts all of these. And it's a beneficial uh, interaction. We give them somewhere, we give these little bacteria somewhere to live and thrive. And they give us huge amounts of benefits, particularly in the gut, which we can get onto. Yeah. So 
um, bacterial cells actually outnumber your human cells. They do. So that's the theory that um, Kate was talking about, mm. that you're actually more bacteria than human. You Crazy. are. Crazy. Um, Definitely in my case, I feel, yeah. But early to get um, philosophical, but (laughs) there's a theory that um, humans, uh, because obviously human cells kind of evolved from bacterial cells, Mm. um, the humans are just this vehicle for your gut bacteria. Pretty much. You know, if you think about yourself, uh, your consciousness, Mm. um, it's like inside of you. So, you know, it's the collective consciousness of your gut bacteria. Too deep to start off this uh, topic. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little too deep. So bacteria could be uh, controlling this whole world. Could be. Not humans. We could just be Mm. bacteria vehicles, you know. We could be. We could be. Um, (laughs) What what organs are – like where does gut health start? Like what organs in the body do we need to sort of focus on for good gut health? Okay. Well, I guess you've got to look at the the gastrointestinal tract and it is the second largest interface between the external environment and – you, the mm-hmm. internal organs. And there is only one layer of cells that separates that external environment to the first blood vessel that in your body. So you've just got this one little layer of cells that is protecting you from anything you're consuming. It's pretty full on. Yeah. <laughs> you think about it, it's a bit scary. Uh, so you want those that layer of cells to be absolutely optimum and, and healthy, hmm. um, performing well and fed properly as well. When we, when we say the gut, what is the gut? Anything from top to bottom. Okay, and what's top to bottom? Let's break it down <laughs> really simply. Your mouth to your anus. <laughs> there there you go. we go. There so we go. Everything in between. And what, yep. what falls in between? Esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine. And, of course, you've got your liver comes in to, to help with all of that digestion and to filter everything as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, kidneys, is you know, but they're a little bit, less linked than the liver because the liver is actually helping you to uh, to digest with bile is released to, in order to digest fat. Um, pancreas, because of course that's where your enzymes are coming from and insulin, etc. So it's all. Yeah, it's all connected. It is all connected. Is there a more important part of that process? Is the anus the most important part, Darren? Um, no, no, my mouth is probably the most important <laughs> part. <laughs> probably <laughs> is. What you're putting in your mouth is exactly. probably, probably yeah. is the most important part yeah. of it. And, you know, yeah. digestion starts in your mouth. Your saliva breaks down food and chewing is chewing. actually part of digestion. Let's talk mm. about the process. Like what, what happens? So your saliva is breaking down already as soon as you put it in Absolutely. your mouth. Absolutely. Then what happens? And there are also, you have a, a microbiome of your mouth. There are bacteria in your mouth that are, are essential. They keep your teeth healthy, your gums healthy, and also they're helping to again, break down food, but obviously salivary enzymes, number one, and chewing. Mm-hmm. Chewing properly. Eat mindfully, people. Yeah. Don't just go, wolf it down. That's hard for me. I pretty much um, inhale my food. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard for a lot of people. We're always on the run. You think about it. A lot of probably, people, I'm getting ahead of myself. A lot of people no. eat at the desks and, you know, True. not really paying attention to your food. That's why, like, um, it, it's um, an emerging area of research that, you know, consciously, mindfully eating, mm. you actually, you know... Um, better um, utilize the food, right? Because you're chewing it, it fills you up more sufficiently. Correct. Because mm. you're not thinking about it and you're focusing on something else, you're just going to keep eating. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, during lockdown, I was just snacking mindlessly <laughs> while, while on my computer. So how much should we be chewing our food, turning it into to pulp? Is, is, what's, the, uh, what's the term? Masticating, isn't it? That's yeah. correct. Yep. Oh, Ross, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Say that carefully. So should we be basically just turning it into <clears throat> into pulp before we swallow it? If you can, if you can, yeah. yeah. Well, you should. The more I mean, you, you think about corn, okay? You don't chew corn 
It ends up in the toilet bowl, right? It does. So Funnily make sure enough, you... it always <laughs> ends up a whole corn kernel in the toilet. I don't need a lot of corn, though. So. No, no, nor do I. No. Fantastic Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> so chewing. Chewing? Chewing, super important, even just starting with that chewing. And then what happens to the food from there? Into your stomach. Yep. Where you have hydrochloric acid, um, pepsin, um, so digestive enzymes come into play. There's also a little bit of um, churning going on, a little bit of mechanical stuff going on there with your stomach's kind of the stomach muscles contracting and things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, but mainly chemical breakdown, and that's where if you're not eating mindfully and you're just wolfing your food down, your brain doesn't have time to tell your your um, well, your stomach and your pancreas doesn't get a chance to release any of those or as enough of those and so therefore you end up with all sorts of other problems further down the track. Hmm. So your brain and your gut are uh, linked more than what we know, aren't they? Do you know there are 400 times the signals going from your gut to your brain than there are from your brain to your gut? So is our gut our brain really? Maybe. Maybe. Wow. So, so maybe maybe we are bacterial vehicles. <laughs> maybe we are. <laughs> Look out. So your stomach's further breaking the, breaking it down with all the stomach acids and enzymes Absolutely. and whatnot. And then what? And then into the small intestine for absorption and fermentation and more. Uh, well, that's where it gets really complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how deep we want to go here. <laughs> we'll keep it fairly high level in this episode. We might dive deeper a little bit in another episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So small intestines are a really interesting part of your um, your gut mm -hmm. because you know that's where a lot of your gut bacteria lives. True. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Lactobacillus species particularly like to be in there. So if you hear you know terms like lactobacillus acidophilus or lactobacillus rhamnosus, they particularly like to hang out in the small intestine. So they do a lot of um, – they produce a lot of digestive um, compounds, I'm going to say, keep it broad, um, things like short-chain fatty acids that help to then further digest things and, um, and create – um, things like conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, mm -hmm. familiar with that. Most um, people are familiar with that from um, breakdown of um, certain dietary supplements. Um, so, yeah, small intestine, very, very important. Mm -hmm. Large intestine, a bit more of a, you know, okay, this is what we don't need. Let's get rid of it. So it's just the waste. C compact the waste. For waste. Yeah. Yeah. Your excretions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. There's a lot going on in the large intestine yeah. still. But so do we need to influence each stage of this digestion process? And is your can. body taking care of part, certain parts of it? Or how, how can we influence this, this process? Wow. Well, I Obviously think good food choices. And absolutely. Like um, it, again, start with the basics. Um, eat carefully. Eat mindfully. Think about what you're doing. Switch everything off. You know, eating at the desk. You know, for me, a lot of the time, because I'm on the road for my job, um, a lot of the time it's in a car park. I'm sitting in my car, so I take my own food. Um, and at first, I, for a little while there, I would be just, oh, I've got to get into the next door, and I'd be throwing my food down, and I'd feel terrible later. Rely on digestive enzymes, and I thought, hang on a minute, just stop. Even if you are sitting looking at a brick wall, mm. <laughs> yes, mm. just. Phones away, don't think about anything else, just concentrate on what you're doing and it's so much better. That's it's so, so interesting because I've never thought of it that way and I've, I've actually never heard of it, mm. like mindful eating. Yeah. 
Because you are. You're always doing something. You're either watching TV. You're not really paying attention to what's on your plate. You're not paying attention to chewing your food properly. You're mm. not. So, yeah. There's a lot to be said for sitting down at the table yeah. at, for dinner, having you. We could all do with that, that um, just that time away from devices and everything as oh, well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. For all, all of that blue light <laughs> stimulation, it's just can mm. be, it's not good for your brain. Yeah. And another thing that can influence your um, gut health and gut bacteria is exercise. Absolutely. You know, all the stress of exercise, inflammation and things can uh, affect your microbiome, the types of gut bacteria in there. and In a good way or a bad way? Both. Both, yeah. <laughs> wow. How can, it, so, yeah, how can it impact in a bad way if you're just exercising too much? Over, yeah. yeah. Um, Overtraining, you know? Yes. Too, too much exercise, lots of inflammation, lots of stress on your body. Yeah. Um, Heat. Yeah. Getting too hot. Really? Mm-hmm. Like your body temperature? Yes. So hydration yeah. would help? Hydration, you. yes. The right amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why why is gut health important for athletes? We quick, quickly touched on it. But, yeah. But why, why especially for athletes? Well, and particularly for athletes, I guess, because you want to make sure that you are getting the most out of your food. Most athletes at certain level, you know, even, even the average person going to the gym or doing whatever it is, whatever their chosen sport – they want to they're they're quite aware of what they're wanting to eat they eat well most of the time uh so they've got their diet sorted they're eating nutritious food but what's the point if they're not actually utilizing it yeah so there's no point in eating or well it's not that there's no point but they're not going to get the best out of it they're not going to perform as well they're not going to particularly well let's go back to something really basic like bodybuilding you want to build muscle you're not going to build as quick or you're not going to recover as quick if you're not um, absorbing your nutrients really well. Mm-hmm. So that's where sometimes digestive enzymes can come in if they need to, but otherwise there are there's lots of food ways of doing it, eating bitters, things like um, rocket. I'm going to go rocket. I was, would say dandelion leaves sometimes, but um, mm. don't go picking dandelions, people, because you probably <laughs> pick the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, plus might. they're full of potassium and you, they're also called wet the bed, so you don't want to be doing that either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. When I went to um, to North America, uh, I saw this thing on the menu, this exotic looking thing called arugula. I was, oh. like, I was like, what is this? It <laughs> turns out it's what they call rocket in, rocket. in North oh. America. And then I was telling my cousin, oh, we call it rocket. They're like, rocket. <laughs> <laughs> so super important for athletes. What, mm. How do you recognize poor gut health? Because I think like some of the symptoms you rattled off before, mm. I think everyone has experienced w- at Absolutely. least one of those symptoms at some point. Sure. And it can even change throughout the day. Like I feel yep. sometimes in the morning, I don't know, after breakfast, I might get bloated and then towards the end of the day, I'm fine. I feel amazing. Mm. Yeah. So like how quickly can it change and, and, and what symptoms should we be looking at initially to recognise that we might have a, a gut health problem? Okay. Well, I think bloating is probably the most common and one of the most recognised. Um, changes in bowel habits. So obviously if... Um, uh, let's use let's use keto diet for an example. Um, if somebody's not really well um, well educated on it, um, and they just go, I mean, there's plenty of Instagram pages. I look at a few and I think, oh, really? That's like a day's worth of calories. Like it's, it's terrible. It's revolting because it's a stack of burgers and mm. cheese and oh, bacon yeah. and. Looks delicious, but well, so it doesn't really look delicious to me. But it probably <laughs> appeals to lots of people. But whereas, you know, if I'm doing keto, 
it's plant-based, but it's all of those low-carb plants. There's lots and lots of plants because you're going to get fibre, chia mm. seeds, all of those kind of things. You've got to remember that you need fibre to feed your gut, um, particularly your lower um, parts of your digestion, um, digestive system. So small and large intestine, we really need a lot of fibre in there in order to for those bacteria to ferment the foods and for, for them to do their job. So I guess um, changes in bowel habits can be... Um, a really good one because they might get constipated or they might end up with diarrhea. Mm-hmm. It might go one of two ways. Um, but bloating is definitely a really good one because that is generally you're not breaking down your food enough, that food goes into your small intestine, your bacteria start to break it down, cause gas and, you know, create um, gases that are, you're not supposed to have that much of. Mm-hmm. We all do. It, it, it does. That's normal. But it just depends. You know that, yeah, another, I guess another one is um, really smelly flatulence can be really big. That's um, pretty big in the bodybuilding community <laughs> yeah. but from what I've smelled at the gym some days. But um. Yes. And there you go. That's And they'll say, oh, it's because I'm eating chicken, chicken and broccoli and that's all I'm eating. <laughs> and you think, well, you know, spice it up a little bit. Can, can he- eating heaps of fibre through foods like leafy greens, can that mm. cause bloating though? Yeah, it can if your gut bacteria are imbalanced. So that's right. when it comes into the really nitty gritty of it. We get in a little bit deeper here and you've got to get that balance and you've got to get that right because there are certain types of bacteria in your gut that will uh, create really bad side effects like that. So mm-hmm. that's where, um, you know, certain types of pathogenic bacteria that are not so friendly we need all of them yeah we yes so you know we'll call them bad bacteria um we need them we need little bits of those but we need to keep them under control where does this bacteria sorry to interrupt you're right around bacteria where does this um bacteria come from is your body making it or are we getting it from externally when you're born yeah when you're born you are you get that from your parents from your mum um and you know not all children are born naturally, you know, sometimes they're born by caesarean and that can affect them for the first couple of years. Yeah. But because they're getting contact with their parents, that remedies very, very quickly. Uh, there was a thought that it was about eight years that it affected children that were born by caesarean, but it's actually not quite. Yeah. Like, like the high, more research, the more we're discovering. Higher prevalence of allergies and things like that um, from people that don't get exposed to the bacteria correctly from the mum mm. when they're born. So, so the first few years are crucial in in, in setting up a good sort of mm. bacteria environment. That's, right. in your That's why gut. kids should eat dirt. So, <laughs> what if what if you're not exposed to that as a as a child? Um, like, is it a genetic thing, or it's more like exposure? Well, also, you know. Your diet is important too. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the diet, the environment where you, you know, um, some people are really germaphobes and they um, disinfect everything. Um, not. Me. It's not a good thing. Yeah. It's oh. not a good thing to do. Um, so, uh, for instance, you know, at the moment everyone's sanitising their hands, which they should be, you know, depending where they're going. and But washing them with soap is actually enough. Mm-hmm. Soap will get rid of. Uh, most of the they, it will get rid of the unwanted germs, the pathogenic kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it keeps your it preserves the stuff that's supposed to be there. So have therefore, you seen men wash their hands in in to- public toilets? <laughs> no, I don't. It's like they run it underwater for about a second and then walk out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, clean as a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> um, what what is causing? Poor, poor gut health, like mainly in like today's society. What what is the main cause? 
there's, there's a few. What's your guess, Hal? Yeah. Alcohol? Oh, alcohol does have an influence. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and also other drugs, uh, all sorts of drugs, medications. Hmm. Um, any anti- kind of medications. I'm not even, you know, we all know that antibiotics will affect your gut microbiome. Um, it, it does disrupt it for quite some time. In fact, the theory is that um, one course of antibiotics will affect your microbiome for two years. Is that yeah. right? It takes two years to recover. Because antibiotics... You know, the, the purpose is to kill this bad bacteria that's entered mm. your body. But, yep. you know, broad-spectrum antibiotics don't care. They Yeah, they just kill, kill everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And they do the job. Look, they save lives. So if, would you say antibiotics is probably the, the single biggest influence on poor no. gut health? Because everyone's no. used antibiotics at some point. No, I wouldn't. I'd say diet is. Diet. Diet. And, and by diet, let's let's Because like that's delve, everyone eats. Let's delve down <laughs> deeper. Like what, what things that we're taking in in our diet would be... Would be contributing like low fiber, low fiber, and high sugar. Okay, H- highly processed. Food, highly you know. processed. All yeah. This, all the sugar that's in everything. All this um, preservatives. You know, preservatives mm-hmm. are designed to keep food alive um, by you know suppressing bacterial growth. But you know, food with too much preservatives can obviously impact your gut bacteria because mm-hmm. it's literally there to you know affect bacterial growth. So pretend I'm a client. I'm mm-hmm. walking in. I've got a good diet. I'm eating lots of fiber. Mm. I don't eat much sugar. But I'm getting all this bloating. I'm having digestional yeah. upset. Where do you go next? What are we looking at I next? Would, I would examine the diet and tell them to be honest. Okay. And don't just don't lie to me because most of them do. So say for they me. They tell me example, they've got a great diet and they tell me all the things that I want to hear. Yep. But it's never true. It's very so, always rarely true. So, so I gave up after a little while of asking people about their diet and taking them through their diet because most of the time they just told me what they thought I wanted to hear anyway. Right. Yeah. So I would go through, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're, we're gonna um, we're gonna put you on this diet. We're gonna you're gonna follow this, and you need to um, increase more plant foods because essentially plant foods and wash them. Please wash them. How <laughs> how well do you have to wash um, fruit and veggies mm, these days? That's a pretty big like, question. Well, me, like honestly, I just run it under the tap and dry it off, and that's it. And but what I've heard, like people go to the extreme of like soaking it in vinegar and mm, how extreme yeah. do we have to go with washing our food? I don't think food? you have to go too extreme, but I think it's a, it's, it is important to wash your vegetables um, ha- unless they're organic. Hal soaks all his food in um, unleaded petrol. Like he's that <laughs> frightened of the <laughs> pesticide. <laughs> in my gin. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> well, yeah, so some of these, some, some foods, fruits and uh, vegetables in particular have heaps of pesticides mm. in, you know, just because, you know, they're from the farming practices and things. So some of them require a bit more washing than others. So would you, you recommend organic fr- fruits and veggies? If you can. Yep. If you can. And I mean, so the pesticides could have a big impact on... Pesticides do have an impact on your health, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. But okay. it's something that's uh, pretty unrealistic for a lot of people is yep. to be able to have organic yeah. um, or and homegrown. And most of them, you know, you just wash it thoroughly and it's, mm. it's good enough. Yeah. So it's let's the best ta- you can do. Yeah. Let's talk alcohol. Because I'd say, like, the majority of our listeners are probably young guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're probably consuming a whole heap of alcohol on the weekend. They're probably binge drinkers. Yep. What sort of impact is, is alcohol having on our gut health? It has a huge impact. It has an impact on your stomach and it has an impact on your gut bacteria. Yes, it does. What, what is it doing? Like, what, why is it? Well, if you so think about what's, what do we use as disinfectant, alcohol. Oh, yeah. It's all alcohol-based. So it's actually harming. I mean, it, it can erode your stomach. 
and then it's um, affecting your gut bacteria as well. So it, it can kill them off, and it can that way. So what happens when you so say antibiotics, alcohol, anything that is detrimental to your good bacteria, your friendly bacteria that are doing you good and doing wonderful things for you, anything that affects those and um, kind of kills them off, it gives the bad bacteria an opportunity to come in and take hold and it's kind of um yeah i also don't always call them bad bacteria or pathogenic bacteria i call them opportunistic Mm. gives them an opportunity to come in there and adhere to the lining of your gut and take over and that's where people also start to get a lot of problems that's where you get really you know quite nasty disturbances in your bowel like we were talking about really stinky flatulence, um, that can be a, a side effect of some nasty bacteria taking over. What, what do they do to the to the lining of the wall? Are they just like, I picture these little things. Inflammation, like causing inflammation, and then that leads to autoimmune problems. It leads to inflammation of the nervous system. Uh, this is where it comes into, you know, insulin resistance and... Um, you know differences in leptin and all sorts of things like that but um so poor gut health could, can be linked to like weight gain and things like absolutely. that as well yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. strong link a strong link right. yes yes fix the gut first. eating a very um high sugar diet can um cause this pathogenic bacteria to co- to um release this thing called endotox- endotoxin mm-hmm. which has heaps of um heaps of um negative effects on your body and if your lining of your intestines aren't um you know aren't nice and um, intact, intact and then nice this, tightly knitted then this endotoxin is going to go through and into, uh, yeah into your bloodstream le- leads to inflammation causes all sorts of problems it, you yeah. know inflammation like i said of your nervous system um that's your enteric nervous system or your, your nervous system that controls your gut and therefore you have all sorts of problems with um insulin resistance or insulin problems and um but also then it goes further to affect your mood hmm. So, mm, interesting. So alcohol, big no-no for you? Yeah, I'm not a big drinker. What What is um, – how much alcohol do you have to consume before it starts oh. to really impact <laughs> – like I know it's probably different for everyone. It but would be. Like is it well, – because well, there's a big drinking culture these mm, days yeah. and especially amongst like young middle-aged mums – Oh, sort of de-stress. Yeah, the glass of wine with dinner. Glass of wine. Yep. But it, the most common thing that you hear from these young middle-aged mums is like, A, I'm putting on weight, yep. B – I bloated and, and yeah. super sensitive to anything I eat, even if they are eating a good diet. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering about that alcohol link. Like is yep. it is it one or two glasses? Is it a oh, whole bottle? It's a little is bit it? hard. Yeah, I think it's okay. more consistency really. Right. So if you were doing this every day, yep. then your gut's not getting a chance to recover. Yeah. So right. I guess – You're going to have this presence of um, alcohol and waste products, um, you know, around um, and it's always going to be persistent in your yeah. gut bacteria. So, mm-hmm. you know. Do you, do you think it's worse to consume the same amount of alcohol across the whole week? Or <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, Hal's trying to justify his binge <laughs> his drinking binge on drinking. the weekend. <laughs> exactly. So two, two, I was waiting for that. Two glasses yeah. of wine a day or 14 glasses of wine <laughs> on a Saturday? <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> it's, not a bad, it's not a bad question, though. It's an age-old question, Like, which is – I think, it's, oh, I think we know the answer. It. No. <laughs> neither, Hal. Neither. Yeah. Neither. <laughs> well, well, actually, um, you're – your stomach has enzymes um, that actually break down alcohol as well, this mm-hmm. alcohol dehydrogenase. And some people don't have this enzyme. That's why they get this flushing, right? Because mm. alcohol is going through without even um, being broken down into um, this further step. When you say flushing, this red face. Red. 
Right. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yes. genetically, um, Asian people tend to ha um, have this enzyme um, less prevalent than um, other populations. So mm. some mm. some people, you know. So that's why you know some of my um, my Chinese friends get a bit red when they have some alcohol. So okay. Yeah, and also um, you know um, all these other byproducts from alcohol um, when you're hungover, these aldehydes and things uh, can influence your gut bacteria too. Yeah. True. Most alcohol is full of preservatives and all that sort of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. um, another probably popular thing, uh, the culture of Australian culture is, well, our cafe culture is drinking coffee. Mm -hmm. um, we're all addicted to coffee. Yes. Caffeine definitely has benefits in the sports nutrition world for sure. But how is coffee affecting gut health or does it? Oh, that might be. I'm not really sure. I haven't really looked well, into coffee. It, well, it's caffeine. going to. It is going to influence. And okay, there is there is different things about. Um, maybe this is a good point to say what you're consuming regularly. Your gut bacteria gets used to, and you end up with a prevalence of the bacteria that like that. Right. So, for instance, um, we were talking about sugar and you know preservative, you know uh, processed food. If you're eating a lot of that, you'll end up with these gut bacteria that um, that like that food, that that consume that. So you end up with more, uh, you know, not a great balance in your gut. Then you think that you're craving that food. Hmm. Let's go with chocolate because mm -hmm. you were talking about mums and mm -hmm. not being able to lose weight. Mm -hmm. and, you know, okay. So um, big thing is chocolate. They love their chocolate, you know. I hear it all the time. Oh, I can't stop eating chocolate and I just crave it. And Okay, so it's actually not your mind or your taste buds craving it. It's your gut bacteria. They're going, feed me, I need that. So they're little chocolate fiends. They're addicted to chocolate. Well, the, the ones that they're – because they've been eating the chocolate, the gut bacteria are used to it and so they're fermenting the chocolate and they're, they're, they're like, yeah, feed me, feed me so more, feed me more. So they're the signalling that, yeah. yeah, your brain to eat more. Ooh. So there you go with that mind-gut connection. So when it comes to coffee, I'm guessing it's pretty much the same. We're, right. we're yeah. needing that in Co our gut bacteria. Coffee does have some good benefits though. It does. Um, you know, it's really high in antioxidants, um, polyphenols and things like that. So that can that can always help. You know, it's freshly ground coffee is the best. Nice. Real yeah. coffee. Real, Real coffee. coffee. Real, Real coffee. coffee. Yeah. Actually, you make a good point about the polyphenols because um, that can actually have quite a beneficial effect on your gut micro microbiome and also your gut lining. So, mm. Mm. so maybe the coffee is still in. It. Just don't <laughs> overdo it. Yeah. So it sounds like sugar is the biggest, the biggest um, evil mm. part of your sugar? diet that's going to contribute to poor gut health and not enough fiber. Sugar yeah. and processed foods. Processed yes. foods, so right. preservatives. And, you know, processed meat has this thing called sodium nitrate in there, mm. which is pretty bad for your gut bacteria as well. Um, it creates this thing called TMAO. So when you say processed meats, it's your all your deli meats and stuff like deli that? Deli meats, sausages, you know. Bacon. Bacon. Happy meals like Hal has for every meals, day. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those would you consume? My gosh. Oh. He, he just <laughs> – it's only for the toy that he gets out. It <laughs> doesn't actually like the food. My diet is stellar except alcohol. Is it? Yeah. Well, that's, that's good at your age actually. It is really good. Most people's diet at, at 12 is um, – <laughs> Is actually just basically <laughs> what their parents feed them. Yeah. But now you do eat well. well my yeah. parents are super healthy. I'm vegetarian for 11 years. Yeah. There you go. It is. Yeah. When I was younger, I was just on the on the meat goreng and eggs diet. <laughs> 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 um, so how can we 
How can we improve gut health through food? You've mentioned sort of eating lots mm-hmm. more fiber. Yeah. And eliminating too much sugar. Is there anything else that people can do or eat uh, if you can manage to eat some bitters, some bitter foods before so priming the gut before you actually eat. So instead of that glass of wine with dinner, maybe mm. <laughs> people won't like this and nobody will do it. Mm. <laughs> but um something that's a bitter vegetable. So something like um Victoria well, bitters? Arugula. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did Arugula. I say that right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Rocket. your word for it. Rocket yeah. is quite good because right. and it, things like that, uh, things that are a little bit bitter, um, and I'm not talking lemon lime and bitters, yeah. but oh. yeah, <laughs> I knew you were thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it it kind of primes the gut and it gets your digestive enzymes working. So that's something that you can start with. Otherwise, it's things like making sure that you time your meals right and that you're um, eating really good healthy food and maybe incorporating some things like fermented foods. Mm. So sauerkrauts, kimchi, kombucha. I'll always go the, you know, when it comes to kombucha, there's some commercial brands out there that are quite, I find it really difficult to have the fizzy ones that, Slam them. I've always nose. wondered about those kombuchas that you buy off the shelf. Like I like drinking them because mm. they're low sugar sort of fizzy drink and yeah. they taste good and you think they're providing mm. good benefit to your gut. Are they really? Uh, yeah, they have to be. They have to actually because they wouldn't be able to call it that. It would be how, false advertising. But so how I always go the smaller brands. Right. Go for the not so well-known brands because they're making them in smaller batches. Okay. And mm. so therefore you kind of a bit. And I've, I've tried lots of them. And um, I just find those smaller brands just that bit nicer. I make my own, so I very rarely so buy it. Yeah, <laughs> We've got that really it's weird so thing <laughs> sitting in there. <laughs> yeah. People come to my house and they go, what yeah. is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> do you have to keep them like in a cold storage environment? Like no. Some of them sitting on the shelf and you just think. Mine are yeah. sitting on the bench and I right. live near the Southern Highlands, so... Okay. Summertime, it's I'm changing them every week. Right. Um, wintertime, they can um, four weeks. Right. So right. I've just done my green tea and um, about to do my other one because I've got a green tea and a black tea one going. Oh. There. It's really you, good. Do you pop them often when you put them in the little jug after? No, I chuck them straight in the fridge. I flavour them oh, with tea, okay. with tea bags. Um, there's I've got some tea bags that I've found that I really, really like. Yeah. So uh, one of them's a peach one. It tastes Nice. Oh, and great. kimchi so, and sauerkraut. What is that? What is so, sauerkraut's oh, like cabbage or something, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. But it's like a fermented it's cabbage. It's fermented, yes. So, so, so you're kimchi, adding it yeah. to your food or you're just spooning it into your mouth? Or it's how do people... Side, yeah. Like it's almost like a pickle, yeah. you know? Like, think of it like that. Well, but, pickles are as well. Yeah, so you're, you're, some of your good bacteria loves this fermented food, even like mm. miso soup and stuff, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like Kate was mentioning, if you keep having this fermented food, um, the food that your bacteria likes, you know... Uh, it's going to increase the population of this um, good bacteria. So you're aiming to like add some of this to every meal throughout the day or have something in it with like... Yeah. Yeah, I have a little bit of kimchi and, you know, make my lunch. Um, It's usually obviously because I'm out on the road, can't heat anything, so it's usually a salad and I have a little bit in the corner and I usually start with that because it just... Kimchi is nice and spicy, so it really gets you going and really primes your gut for you know, what's coming next and therefore you digest a little bit better. Nice. So where my, are you getting kimchi? pickles? Oh, you love your pickles? What? <laughs> oh, these Indian, Indian pickles. Oh, so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so where are you getting kimchi from? They sell it in Coles and Woolies. And they do, yeah. yes. Um, again, smaller brands, mm-hmm. smaller batches. Um, 
and obviously any of kimchi, particularly any of the Asian grocery stores, oh, yeah. you'll get really good kimchi. Okay. Got some good Korean friends that can make you some as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, so what else for, for good gut health? I know a lot of people okay. jump straight to probiotics these days as well. Sometimes that's not the first thing you need to do. You need to actually, if we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty of, you know, Darren was talking about keeping the lining of your gut nice and healthy, glutamine and zinc. Glutamate. Glutamate oh, and zinc. It's a recognisable. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I knew you guys would like that one. <laughs> In the sports nutrition world, we all love glutamine. But um, So if you think of your gut lining like a brick wall and, and the bricks are all the cells that line your gut, glutamine and zinc is actually almost like the mortar that holds them together. So it helps those um, – there's little things in your gut called tight junctions that hold them all together, hold those cells together. And they expand and contract and they allow small molecules that are supposed to be going into your blood through. Um, there are things that can irritate those tight junctions. There are things that can cause inflammation and they break apart and then you end up with a thing called leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Um, this is not wanted. Glutamine and zinc – it feeds the enterocytes as well. It feeds the skin cells that are mm. on the inside of your gut. They need it for energy. Um, they have a high turnover. So they help to keep those cells healthy, but they also help keep those tight junctions nice and tight. So glutamine and zinc. Okay. Cool. Fabulous. Good place to start if you've got any kind of inflammatory condition. Uh-huh. Um, if you've got IBS or if you've got um, even joint pain, um, any kind of skin issue that's, you know, kind of coming up, any, even as minor as they might be, could be that your gut is not healthy. And so. how, how much glutamine and zinc? Well, this is why also mm. um, also why a high protein diet is associated with good um, gut health as well, because typically yeah. protein is high in glutamine. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how much glutamine should we be supplementing extra with glutamine if we've got poor gut health, or are we just yes. relying on protein powder or foods or what? Uh-huh. I think I think supplement yeah. maybe short term. Yep. Just to help help get things underway um there are other things obviously that you can do you've got obviously if there's inflammation in the gut you've got to stem that inflammation as well so you've got to look at what's causing the inflammation is it a food intolerance is it um something that you eat regularly is it something that you're taking as medication some of those medications may be essential and you can't not take them so you've got to protect your lining of your gut Mm. so sitting on top of those cells so if you imagine you you know you've got this tube that is your gut and sitting on top of those cells is a layer of mucus it's meant to be there it protects those cells and that's where a lot of your bacteria are hiding and they they thrive in there you need to keep that intact as well because that can be eroded hmm. stress causes is big big problem for that that was um, my next question mm, the impact of stress on impact. gut health a massive impact on how gut how does that happen Stress, um, so typically stress um, increases your inflammation and inflammation actually um, through a series of events um, um, erodes this mucin layer. So mucin is this mucus layer which um, Kate was talking about and, you know, if you have too much stress, too much inflammation, um, you're not going to be, you know, having the optimal linings of of your your So we need to look at control of stress. It's not just food related. It might be things that you can do in your daily Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, that's generally when my gut health, like I noticed the biggest change in my gut health is if yes. I'm stressed out at work, like Duran's Deeran, giving me crap oh, at, uh, in the office. So difficult. Even, yeah. in, even in the short term, you know, a lot of athletes before a big event, you know, yeah. what's one of the things that everybody does rush the toilet, you know? Absolutely. You get, you get these nerves and... Mm. Um, <laughs> Nervous poo, they call it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, even with what I do with 
I, I'm an endurance horse rider, so we notice um, the stressed horses ahead of us because we're very, you know, we just want to complete. Mm, we just want social distance from yeah. these <laughs> nervous horses. <laughs> There's usually there can be mucus in their in their poo, right. and that's or take them on a float and they get nervous on the float, and so um, you get them off float. There's usually a poo on the float, and it's. There's, you can see the mucus in it because it's shedding because they're um, they're stressed. So it, it has a massive effect. So if you think about it in human terms, of course we're going to, you know, we're all mammals and yeah. it's all working kind of the same. They just have a lot more fibre. Yeah, and we all know the, the <laughs> benefits of exercise on, on stress as well. Yes. So it's, everything's all linked. What about sleep? Oh, sleep. Well, if you're not sleeping, then that puts other – that puts a stress on your body, doesn't yeah. it? What so if you're someone like – I struggle to sleep, right? I'm, mm. I'm pr- lucky to get six hours a night. Okay. And that's just, I don't know whether it's genetic or what. I'm just, I wake up, I'm fresh. I'm not feeling <laughs> run down or anything like that. It's the caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> could, be, could be. According to Hal, it's the caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> I only have two coffees a day. I have the second one pretty late though, so it could be that. Well, I have yeah. a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I sleep like a baby. <laughs> <each>. <laughs> 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 I can have a I can have a, I can have a pre workout. <laughs> <laughs> I only have two a day. I, I can have a pre workout at eight pm and go to sleep like a baby at ten. That's days. crazy. I hate that? you for that. I hate you. That's no. your liver. Yeah, yeah. your if liver's a, functioning. If I have a pre workout or a coffee that late, I'm gone. I'm wired. You can count that night out. I mm, won't sleep. Wow. Yeah. It's well, weird how it affects everybody. Has these different tolerances to caffeine. So yeah. it's how you're processing it. Mm. Yeah. Yes, sleep has a big impact on your microbiome and yes, and vice versa. So if your gut's working quite nicely, then, you know, it's it's going to be settled. And that's when, when you're sleeping and when you're resting is when you're digesting and absorbing. Hmm. So if you think about it, when you're performing something and you're running, say, <laughs> let's go back to cavemen. Um, well, you're talking to two now. Yeah. <laughs> Three, actually. <laughs> so I was going to say, hang on, two. Which Boom. <laughs> 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 Make fire. <laughs> Make fire, take digestive enzymes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, caveman's chasing, he, he's running and he's chasing down his food and then when he goes back to the cave, it's all prepared and he sits back and that's when he can digest, he's resting and digesting. So um, when you're running, your your um, circulatory system is on your periphery, so you, you to your muscles and to your eyes and, you know, your brain so you can focus on what you're doing. And then once you're, once that danger has gone, you're sitting back and you're resting and digesting it, goes to your stomach and all of your organs so that it can actually absorb and do its job. So therefore you recover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So We've spoken about you this go. on previous We're about athletes and recovery, you yeah. know. That's exactly, you need that rest and digest phase. Yeah. So you have to, you know, absorb all these nutrients. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you're resting and digesting, your, your gut bacteria is also very important for synthesizing vitamins as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So um, a lot of vitamin synthesis happens in your gut. A lot of B vitamins created by um, your gut bacteria. Mm-hmm. Very important for energy, for focus, for stress management. Yeah. And then, you know, also um, when you're resting and digesting from exercise, y- your gut bacteria also influences your um, inflammation modulation, you know, how True. it, cr- how it um, helps you um, get rid of this inflammation, which, is, which has an important role, but, you know, how you adapt to it and things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that comes back to your gut bacteria. Nice. Yeah. Very important, huh? So you've brought up digestive enzymes a few times yeah. in this podcast. And mm-hmm. um, I know we, we put digestive enzymes into our protein powders. Yes. Um, why are they important? What are they Just doing? To helps to, uh, well, di- enzymes break down 
mm-hmm. um, bigger molecules. So they're helping the, – the enzymes that you guys have got in your powders are helping – a proteolytic, so they're breaking down proteins. So it's just going to make it easier for your body to absorb those. If, they, if it breaks down the protein into the amino acids that you need to absorb, then that's what you're absorbing, your amino acids. Mm-hmm. So digestive enzymes can be good. Again, you can do it with food. Yeah. You don't have to always take a, a supplement. What you guys are putting into the formulas, that's a nice little touch that and they're all natural as well. They're from you guys use plant. Yeah, so the we're saying you guys, it's you <laughs> as well. <laughs> I know, I know, but, you know. You're, you're the um, formulator. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the enzyme that's in all of our protein powders is pepin, right? It comes from papaya. Mm, so you know, fabulous p- people are pretty familiar familiar with it because you know you think of pawpaw cream, you know, pawpaw ointment. Yeah. Mm. Why that's so effective is because it's high in this enzyme pepin. So you put it on your hands, it's going to eat away the protein on the top layer of your hands. You know, put it on your lips, it's going to eat away all the dead skin. Mm. That's why it's so popular with people. That's not good same. Anything. Huh? <laughs> it's a miracle cream. Yeah, it's is so it good. Right. So the same enzyme is what's in our protein shakes. You know, so w- once you eat this protein. Pepin gets activated by your stomach and then breaks down the protein. Well, helps break break it down. Our protein powder is not just good for for protein recovery. Why put them on your lips, <laughs> lips and everything? Make a little ointment with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's mask. So I like it. Um, digestive enzymes. So mm. we can get it through our food. Yep. Um, there are enzymes on plants. There right. are already enzymes there. There's also bacteria. I mean, Lactobacillus plantarum, for instance. Where do you think that comes from? A plant. You were asking about where yeah, yeah, yeah. bacteria. Yeah. We didn't quite, even we touched on it, but we yeah. didn't quite get there. Yeah. So, yeah, you obviously get that from skin-to-skin contact. There's human bacteria, which we need. They're called, we also call those commensal bacteria because they belong in the gut. So any of those in form of um, dried, you know, supplement, they are going to take up rapidly in right. your gut, and they're going to—they're um, going to dominate. Um, but they are also very sensitive to mm. outside influences as well. So right. that's why you've got to make sure that you replace them. Um, there's one in particular yeah. that I like to tell people about that um, is um, one of the predominant species found in people who can eat what they like and don't put on weight. And all of a sudden, they're mm-hmm. off the shelf. <laughs> people I'm teaching about them are like, "Oh, I'm having that." Um, so. Um, but it's a commensal bacteria and you get it when you're born and you get it from your parents and, you know, um, human interaction when you're a baby. Um, and then – but unfortunately it's highly sensitive to antibiotics. Right. So it's essential to replace that that one. So it's essential to replace your bacteria after you've had antibiotics, absolutely. Um, but there's all sorts of other sources. So, yes, there are there's plants. So this is why fermented foods and kimchi and sauerkraut are so good because it's it's – it's the enzymes that are actually on the outside of the vegetables in the first place. So kimchi and sauerkraut would be your go-to. Oh yeah, foods for. for I do good like ga- it. Yeah, yeah. I've actually got my daughter on sauerkraut now. She loves a Reuben sandwich. She piles it on. That's great. Really? <laughs> I had a whole jar and it's gone. <laughs> can can um, again? I'm not trying to be controversial here, but no. how good at doctors? You? How good at <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not anti-doctor, okay? Um, how good are doctors at, at, at identifying gut health? Uh, they're getting better. Okay. They're getting a lot better because there is more research into it now. So oh. the more research that, you know, doctors are evidence-based. They want to see the evidence. They want to see the research. Um, so there is more now. It's it's becoming popular, 
mm-hmm. as well to do research on um, gut bacteria or, or gut health. But um, I would have to say that in the past it was not so good, but now you're much better, yeah. much better. Um, and I would have to say there's a, a lot of doctors out there that do prescribe probiotics if they're giving out a script for an antibiotic, they will say you should maybe go and get probiotics. Pharmacies are great at it. Um, some pharmacists are fantastic and will actually put a jar in the script bag when they're, you know, into the little basket to go pay for it. And, mm. you know, you really need, they'll explain it. You need to do this because, as I said, two years, yeah. two years that to return to your normal, um, to back to a healthy gut. So, Essential to back that up with some probiotics, definitely. So probiotics straight after antibiotics and then obviously food choices for ongoing sort Absolutely. of solutions. Absolutely, yeah. Um, do you combine the both? Like do you do you need to use probiotics all the time or is it no, like not a, all the time. an aggressive sort of start after antibiotics? And you then can actually you- take probiotics with at the same time but not actually in the same, you know, mouthful. Right. Um, if you, you're on antibiotics, you, you can take a good quality probiotic um, two hours after your last antibiotic for the day. What that will do is even though you're going to take an antibiotic again the next morning um, and it's going to damage the, you know, and disrupt all of the gut bacteria, in that time that you're taking your probiotic, if they're a good quality and they've got good adhesion to the lining of your gut and they proliferate, like they multiply really quickly and they have all those characteristics, they will do their job and they yeah. will colonise as much as they can before the next morning you take another one, yes, there's going to be a bit of damage, but you're going to prevent a lot of damage there in the first place and then continue to take them mm-hmm. for a couple of months afterwards just so that you are safeguarding your gut health because they do so many things that mm. are important. Right. The list is endless of yeah. what probiotics So it's all about, you know, having this good population of bacteria, you know, it and is. sometimes you kill them off, you've got to introduce some, some good ones in, some food you have, you know, it has bad bacteria, good bacteria influences it, so... It's all about this. Um, Too much high maintenance. These bacteria, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, you are bacteria. So. Yeah, you well. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you just called yourself high maintenance. Nice, <laughs> nice one. Um, I think we've covered any, any questions from you. How this? Co- I've well, covered I, all my questions. Have you I, got anything? I think a common one, a common um, source of confusion for people is what is the difference between probiotics and prebiotics? Yes. Oh, good one. Good one. Yes. Okay. So probiotics are the bacteria that offer us a, um, a benefit, um, but prebiotics is basically fiber. It's insoluble fiber. I think it's insoluble. <laughs> okay, it's fiber. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, Mainly soluble, I think. Yeah. That, um, yeah, that, that the bacteria consume. Right. So this is what they thrive on. If you feed them prebiotic fiber, they are going to thrive and uh, multiply and they're going to um, produce all of the wonderful things that we need. You don't have to take a prebiotic supplement if you're eating lots of plant foods. Same plant foods you mentioned before? No, any plant foods, um, beans, you know, carrots, whatever. They've all got prebiotic fibre in them. Obviously, there are some – sometimes you might need more. Um, I know that, um, you know, and I'm not – Plugging, but Neutralife or Neutralife's a sister vitamin brand to here yeah. us here at Masashi. I'm only so mentioning them because I'm so familiar with them. They, they, <laughs> it's, it's my job. It, it's a good good brand. They they focus they heavily on on gut health, mm-hmm. and they've got some really great gut health products. So that's yeah. probably why we brought them in here today. And you work closely with the Neutralife I team do. as well as us. So 
Yeah, I guess. um, So all of their probiotics, all of their adult ones now have a prebiotic in them. Mm -hmm. So that, and and it's not a a huge amount of prebiotic. It's not something that um, is going to change your gut um, function, structure, physiology. Um, What it's going to do is feed those bacteria that are in that capsule at the time. Once they activate, they've got something there to eat straight away. So they will have the maximum benefit of that that um supplement so probiotics good bacteria prebiotics food food for for the bacteria right yeah okay and maybe maybe you can um touch on fiber as well because we've been talking about it but so um you mentioned soluble and insoluble fiber Mm. right so um i guess you know insoluble fiber is kind of like this um um you know this physical fiber um string stringy um things that make it through and um soluble fiber is like jelly kind yes. of um, things, you know, so together, chia seeds. they work together. Right. That's yes. a good so example. If yeah. everyone's used chia seeds or, you know, made a chia pudding, Yep. that's a great example. Yeah. It's the, the, um, that fiber on the outside of the seed. Like gooey sort of. A- yeah. Anything kind of slimy is, well, not anything, but a lot of it from, veg- from <laughs> <laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> a, lot of, Mucus? <laughs> a lot of vegetable things that, um, that have slime is actually, um, uh, soluble fiber. And then, you know, insoluble fiber is the physical things like the seeds and, you know, the, the things that make it through. Cellulose. Cellulose. Right. Yeah. What makes celery stand up? So those fibers that hold it, give it structure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have the enzyme to break cellulose down, so it helps to bulk the stool, helps you go to the toilet easier. Yeah. I think I talked about this on uh, an old episode, but together they combine to make this um, barrier to, pr- to um, help your um, gut lining. So and if you think of insoluble fiber like a strainer, you know, it's going to let stuff through because it's, you know, the holes are too big. But if you cover that with like Vaseline, you know, it ah, might be able to, really um, um, you know, create a, an impermeable nice barrier. That's yeah. a really good analogy. I'm going to steal yeah. that. Yeah, Thanks. steal it. Steering's <laughs> the king of analogies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he loves them. Full of one-liners and <laughs> analogies. <laughs> um, so gut relief. Let's talk a little bit about gut relief. Okay. Wonderful product. Do? This does... Anything that you, any kind of symptom you can imagine from top to bottom, Mm -hmm. it's going to help with. So um, reflux, it's got fibers in there that are going, so it has slippery elm, marshmallow and aloe vera, which is going to soothe the esophagus. If you're getting reflux, it's going to help dampen down. It's going to help kind of make this bit of a barrier and help to um, soothe that and... um, and, yeah, just help with that inflammation. There is some curcumin in there, the Mareva-type curcumin that's going to definitely have an impact on inflammation, so it's going to help with that as well. Um, so reflux, uh, gastritis, it's, going to, it's just going to help with the symptoms of a lot of those things. Okay. Um, so when should we be using that? Like I use it first oh, thing in the morning, but does it matter, like what time of the day? This is a really – this is a broad kind of thing. Okay. You, I use it just whenever I get a random gut pain. Okay. Generally when I'm sitting all day, so if I've been um, so in a sales meeting um, and, you know, we get fed really nice food, but we're sitting all day. We're not used to sitting – because I'm sitting and I'm used to getting in and out of the car and moving – it kind of just sits there and it doesn't, you know, nothing's moving. And so I'll get this random weird gut pain. Can't explain it. Don't know what it is. Take a gut relief, gone. Mm-hmm. It goes really quickly. Because there is a herb in there that helps to um, increase bile production. So it helps to digest your food. Um, it's soothing anything with the aloe vera, slippery old marshmallow. Um, got got some glutamine in there as glutamine, well. Glutamine, yes, yeah. we've got some glutamine um, and zinc. Combine those two, 
Perfect for your so gut it's a barrier. Bit, bit of an all-round solution. It's a great all-round solution. So you can take it daily if you want to, if you need to, um, or you can take it randomly like I do and just have a scoop. You can split the dose. You can have it morning, night. Um, you can have it before your meal to maybe... Um, I, I add a scoop to my protein shake sometimes. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's got a nice orangey flavour. Yeah, it goes really bad. nice with the greens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, mm. I just had it to a vanilla shake and it kind of makes like a yellow shake, but it's... <laughs> Yeah. You, you just touched on um, moving after a meal. Is that yeah. important? Yeah. Just move, not, doesn't have to be, you know, going for a run because that would not be a good idea. But walking, just moving around. So mm. um, it just helps because you're using your abdominal muscles. Um, mm. It helps to mechanically move things and it just helps because of gravity. If you're upright, you're, you know, things are just moving a little bit. There's yoga poses and, you know, where you sort of sit back a little bit and open up that area so that it, things can move. And Does that help digestion? <laughs> I don't know. I think um, Darren might be he's uh, a bit more know. into yoga than myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I uh, do it, but I don't know lots of it. The old not. school vacuum pose in bodybuilding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, that will help. Yeah. It will actually help because you, you're – Contracting it all. You're all contracting, that area, and yeah. then you're, yeah, that's it's definitely going to help move things. And you're using your abdominal muscles to do that as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. For breathing. You should probably do some using of that. Using a diaphragm. More, more movement after eating, you know, just yeah. don't eat and watch Netflix straight away. Like, yeah. how many people do every <laughs> single day? Yeah. That's and true. watching the telly while you're eating. We were even talking about that before. Yeah. So sit at the dining table. You tend mm. to sit up a bit straighter, don't true. you? True. I'm a sloucher. Yeah. Yeah. Hal can't sit up straight. His head hits the ceiling. <laughs> eight foot three. So, <laughs> um, have we covered off everything you guys want to cover off. Is there anything else so. that you think is important? No, I think we've done. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think it's pretty important. I guess um, you know some of the latest um, info that's coming off for athletes is you know they've uh, studied um, elite athletes that tend to have different gut bacteria from um, you know regular people. So there are some specific bacteria that you know these ad- elite athletes yeah. have that. Yeah, that actually has Acomantia some... mucinophilia? Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> it, it has a big influence on performance. Really? Okay. Yeah. And to the extent that some scientists have trialed um, gut bacteria transplants. Yeah. Fecal, fecal transplants? Fecal yeah. transplants. I was going to bring this up, actually. <laughs> what is involved in a fecal transplant? It's literally what it sounds like. Uh, Whose feces are you so using? Take, take some feces from a, an athlete and put it into... Well, actually, they did it on mice. So, you uh, know, yeah. Um, they an athlete done. mice? Yeah. Well, well, a mouse that's been on the wheel. Right. So, like a fit, Running. healthy yeah. mice. Yeah. And so, yeah. what was the results? What happened? Um, the mice that they did this transplant to had, um, you know, significantly improved parameters of fitness and um, whatever they were looking at. Weight. Are, pe- are people doing? They this? even do it with weight. You know, looking at weight gain and and um, they so they because they breed these mice with no bacteria at all, which is really horrible. Yeah. Poor little things, but. Um, they take the bacteria from the lean mi- mouse and put mm. it in the obese mouse and the obese mouse loses weight and they do it vice versa and it actually... Yeah. So have they done this in humans? Yeah. Well, they haven't done a tra- they haven't done transplants like that in humans, but people right. are experimenting. People do. Yeah. Experiment yeah. What, at home by <laughs> themselves. <Yeah>. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you look nice and lean. The yeah. <laughs> well... You're going to have all these people hanging around like athletes' bathrooms now. (laughs) Well, have you heard about the latest trend, glitter poop? No. no. What is it? So basically you get this uh, capsule full of like glitter foil, gold gold foil. (laughs) When you swallow it, your poop is all glittery and shiny. That's so good. (laughs) Can you get like a rainbow glitter one? (laughs) 
might get that for my might get that for my dog. <laughs> I don't need you. My Hell's dog eats disgusting. all sorts of things. Oh. <laughs> Well, loom bands. Remember when loom bands were a thing? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, stay tuned for the Sashi glitter poops. We'll be bringing those out shortly. Um, I think we should probably move on to some listener questions. Hal, what have you got for us this week? Um, we already touched on the first one a little bit from David Gabashi, but it's more to do with exercise. He says, how does binge drinking affect your ability to exercise? Who's this from? Otherwise known as Hal, yeah. <laughs> how does binge drinking affect your ability to exercise? Gains or just add weight in the form of carbs and sugar. So outside of gut health, how does drinking or binge drinking affect your ability to exercise? I'm not a huge drinker, so I'm probably not best. Uh, whenever I drink, like the next day, I'm a rider. I hate. I don't want to train. I feel yeah. lethargic. I feel like crap. Like well, I guess the short term, you know, impact is pretty clear that drinking. You're not going to perform the best the next day. I mean, you know, what's funny, Liverpool won the Premier League. First game after winning, they, they got hammered, you know, because they've been... <laughs> oh, they went out and partied. Obviously, they've been partying for three days. <laughs> there you go. That's a scientific study it's done scientific. right there. That's yeah. how it affects your performance. Yeah. But uh, actually, um, you know, they have studied it and uh, alcohol is pretty detrimental, you know, across the board to um, a lot of exercise performance. But, you know, social... Having a good social life, social interaction is also important to your overall well-being. So, got to balance it out. True. Also, well, if, if you're binge drinking, your liver is overloaded hmm. in a big way. So it's it can't function normally, and it can't help with your energy and processing your fats and your all of your nutrients. Liver liver's the most underrated organ in the body, I reckon. Mm, it's, it's the like most so abused. Important. It is the most <laughs> abused. <laughs> but it's it's directly like. Related to fat loss and things like that, isn't it? Like, how important is the liver for? Yeah, so super important. And you know, um, um, a lot of people that drink too much alcohol have this thing called fatty liver disease. Um, pretty bad. Um, it's pretty widespread in society, probably more so than people think. And also, you know, having a poor diet can impact your your, your liver in other ways. Absolutely. How do you know if you've got fatty liver disease? Blood test. Yeah. Blood test. Yeah. And what are you going to ask for? Like, I want to know if no, I've got... Well, if you have some symptoms and things, a doctor will typically... Liver function. Yeah. Right. Standard liver function test. Yeah, you can see the enzymes um, in your liver and, you know, how they how they stack up because your, your liver's full of enzymes. Uh, you know, they break, it breaks down a lot of things. Right. Um, should we send Hal off for a liver test? I, I think so. We should oh, actually, yeah. like, and we'll report back. He'll probably come back great. He's only 22. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing impacts you when you're 22. Well, he's at uni and uni is, you know, <laughs> the, the, the hardest time for your liver. <laughs> um, I guess the other thing is um, alcohol itself has some excess calories, you know, even though outside of the carbs and sugars that you're probably having with, you know, you know, um, sweet drinks or you know even beer has quite a bit of carbs and things um alcohol itself has quite a lot of energy and calories so you're getting all this excess energy if you don't need it so it's probably a part of people's diets they're not they're not actually attributing those calories they're not counting them they're not conscious of those because yeah. you're sort of just uh, not even counting how many drinks you had so that's you're going to be counting the calories <laughs> well, you lose <laughs> count after a few don't you exactly <laughs> <laughs> any more questions how probably different for everyone and it can differ from session to session um i think like for me legs and back are probably the two body parts that take the longest to recover probably because they're the two biggest body parts in the body and uh, and then they're probably the two 
areas that you train the heaviest and the hardest. So for me, legs and back usually take longer to recover. I know my legs, if I, I only train them once a week, but they're generally taking, I'm old, so <laughs> don't use me as an example, but usually like four or five days before the soreness and everything's gone. And it also um, depends on your specific adaptation. You know, if, you, if you're training legs a lot, they're going to um, recover a lot faster. You know, first day back in the gym after, um, after lockdown, I was pretty sore. And, you know, once upon a time, I used to squat three times a week and not feel sore at all. So mm. um, I think um, I think the consensus is your legs tend to recover a bit faster, though. Well, than, you're on them all the time. Exactly. And it depends how you're training them as well, whether it's high volume, low volume. There's a lot of other contributing factors. What about you? What body part gets sorest the most? Mm. <laughs> you said well. you did a shoulder workout just before we walked <laughs> in here. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> My shoulders um, rarely get sore though. Yeah, like likewise. out of all the muscle groups, my, yeah. I barely feel soreness in my shoulders. I yeah. think legs. Legs takes the longest, mm. and upper back. I'm a bit sore from yep. my rides yesterday. So yeah. What about you? What's your what body um, part gets the sorest? Uh, well, glutes for you. Flexing. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Always so flexing <laughs> these glutes around the office. Every so. Monday, I'm flexing for an hour over here. <laughs> <laughs> Just my left arm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, no, um, I would say. Probably my chest gets pretty sore when I'm um, doing a, a lot of reps benching, but um, your chest is probably your strongest body part as well. Uh, well, obviously. it's giant. <laughs> it's giant. Yeah, <laughs> take your shirt off. Show us. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to, if I have to. <laughs> um, we did. We even answer the question: What recovers quicker, chest or back? I think it's down to so many factors. Yeah, I would say. I don't know. I would say your legs. Yeah, typically your legs um, should be able to. Oh, your legs recover quicker than your upper body. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it would be hard for you to train upper body three times a week, like chest. Yep, true. But you know, a lot of people do train lower body quite often. Cool. Cool. If you've got any uh, listener questions, just flick us, flick them to us, uh, Instagram or via podcast at massage.com. We welcome any questions. What's happening in sports? Heaps. Got anything interesting today? Dude, Pat Mahomes has signed the most lucrative deal in NFL history. Ten years, four hundred million dollars, with a potential to go up to about five hundred and three million dollars um, if they make playoff berths. So, four hundred million dollars wow. for a ten-year deal. How old is this guy? Young. I don't even know him. Yeah, it's crazy. That um, is big money. Yeah. Feels like a waste of money to me. <laughs> so many better things we could be spending money on than paying Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I don't know. He obviously, he's a, he's a gun. He deserves it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I kind of like. I, I don't follow NFL at all, but NBA. I can't imagine so many players I'd want to sign for ten years. It's That's a long yeah. deal. It's a big commitment. But if you get injured or they, mm. you know, they decline. Mm. In hindsight, LeBron definitely. But yeah, but how, how do you know that? Yeah. yeah. They're obviously taking a huge gamble. There's probably so many little clauses within, the, within these contracts anyway. Like, there's so many outs. How many long-term contracts do you see where it's broken within a couple of years? Yeah. We see it so much in the NRL with coaches. Mm. And they like, get this big payout afterwards. Yeah, you lose two in a row now in the NRL and the coach gets sacked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you think, didn't they have a contract? Did you see um, Darren Williams um, from the NBA and not all-star? He was getting paid fifteen thousand dollars every day until last week. Hasn't played in about eight years. Yeah. What? Because of his contract. Yeah. Crazy. 
That's like your contract here at Masashi, isn't it? <laughs> Rich, retirement benefits and everything. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, 10 years, 400 million. Pretty crazy. Set for life. But I don't know how, you know, the um, broadcast deals and things are going to be affected. Stadium revenue is going to be affected in the short term. Mm. So we never know what's going to happen in the sporting world. Crazy to sign a big deal, especially what's going on in the world at the moment. Mm. What else has happened, Hal? Um, we've got some bad news as well. Um, Australian Winter Olympian Alex Poulin. I think I'm pronouncing that right, has died at the age of 32. Mm. Chumpy Pullen, probably our most well-known winter uh, Olympic athlete. He was a flag bearer, I think, at the last Winter Olympics. Snowboarder, legend of a guy, um, real big role model in the Australian Winter Olympic community. So that's really sad. I think he was out um, spearfishing with a snorkel. I don't think he had any like um, scuba diving gear or anything like that. Far out. So sad, man. Yeah. It is. Um, it's crazy. Life's precious. Yeah. Mm. Even if you're an elite level athlete, I mean, legend. Wow. It, it's so sad. Hell, he was only young too. What, just thirty-two years old? Oh, yeah, pretty young. Yep. Kate's age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah. Look, heart goes out to his family, supporters, and mm. obviously, um, the ocean's a, a cruel place. The ocean is a wild, cruel place. Mm-hmm. What else, Hal? Something a bit more upbeat. It was um, good to pay respect to Chumpy Pullen, though. Um, more upbeat, uh, Paul Gallen is set to fight uh, UFC hero Mark Hunt. Oh, I'm excited. Mark Hunt. He's yeah. obviously not in the UFC anymore, but um, oh, he's had a long, long career. He's in his in his 40s and a great fighter. Yeah, the walk-off KO king. He is. He's had so much experience in fighting, and he's um, being pinned against Paul Gallen. Yeah. Who has um, delved into boxing in recent years? He's had a few good fights. I think his last fight was against Barry Hall. I think uh, it's uh, a boxing, fight. boxing fight, not MMA. So, but <laughs> I, I, I struggle to see how this gets sanctioned. Yeah, uh, it's if it goes ahead, who's your money on? Mark, Mark Hunt, yeah. easily. Yeah. <laughs> like I know he's getting older, but oh, I don't know. Who, who knows? Anything can happen in fighting, but my money would be strongly on Mark yeah. Hunt. Mark yeah. Hunt is an elite kickboxer. Uh, people oh, are yeah. forgetting he's uh, you know he's come from he's done the hard yards in kickboxing. Hundred yeah. percent. Do you follow fighting, Kate? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's your your sport of choice? Time. Is equestrian true? Well, I don't have time. What's going on in the equestrian world? I don't know. Our <laughs> listeners will be super <laughs> interested I'm in sure knowing. I'm sure they will. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, what else is going on, Hal? Um, Usain Bolt has revealed the name of his uh, new baby daughter. Usain Bolt's baby daughter. Yeah. What's her name? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were looking at this. Her, I, I don't know. Look, look, let's look it up. I know her <laughs> middle name is Lightning. What? Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, um, Lightning Bolt. <laughs> He's the only person you can get away with. What is he it? He is. Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt daughter. I'll look it up now. It's been in the news. Jeez, Hal, I would have thought you would have been a bit better prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Hal. <laughs> Usain Bolt's Olympia. the kid. Sorry. I didn't Olympia. Oh, of Olympia. Course. Olympia Lightning Bolt. What a name. Oh, for wow. That's so fitting. That poor child. She's got a lot to live up to, hasn't she? Well, she has to be the fastest woman alive <laughs> now. One of the greatest Olympians of all time. So. Yeah. <laughs> the only wow. reason you can get away with that is also his sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. He's fast, but if he wasn't funny, people would be rude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I love I love watching him uh you know high fiving the 
the guys on the track. Yeah. yeah. The, the Stewart's, yeah. He's, so. he's always so good with the people and that's why he's so well loved. Like yeah. he, he, he takes his time out. But mm. Imagine being that calm before that sort of race. Yeah. I'd be... I'd be doing my nervous poos that we were talking about <laughs> earlier. But, <laughs> yeah. but he's so calm and yeah. cool. And I actually um, saw something else that somebody broke his 200 meter record um, last weekend, but they made an error that they didn't run 200 meters. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> they only ran 185 or something. <laughs> yeah. They set him up in the wrong lane. And oh, no. It was like a virtual race. So they had multiple people racing all across the world. Oh, wow. And they had them set up, and it was like. Oh, it was too short. Yeah. But yeah. Oh. He'd be crushed. Yeah. He's pretty, he's pretty good. I don't know his but name. But apparently that guy's, uh, you know, an up-and-coming superstar. Ooh, so, so we'll he's hear pip, more about him. To take, his, to take on Usain Bolt's record. So we'll oh, see. Oh, we'll good. I think Usain Bolt's one of a kind. Yeah, I think we'll, so. He'll probably be happy to have some competition. Oh, yeah. Is he, he's retired. <laughs> yeah, he's retired. Oh, yeah, is he? Yeah. 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 What else go. is going on, Hal? I told oh. you I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. I'll come to have this. I've been accused of body shaming in an Essendon game. AFL commentators. Yeah, body shaming, calling one of the players a bit pudgy, a bit fat. Yeah, coming back oh, from um, lockdown, yeah. It's probably happened a fair – like these guys have been limited and especially depending on what state you've been in, yeah. you're, you're in, you might not be allowed outside, you might not be allowed to gyms. You're like, yeah. So it would severely impact their training and to, to body shame someone at this stage after like lockdown <laughs> is pretty ordinary. It, it is, but, you know, if you're a professional athlete, you should, you know – you don't know when the season's going to start again. Uh, maybe body shaming's bad, but your your fitness and your match preparedness in general should, you know, you should be taking care of it. I think so too. I agree with that. Yeah. As a professional athlete, I mean, it's your job to stay in shape yeah. year round. You're getting 400 million. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ten years. That'd be nice. Yeah. Wow. Pat Mahomes wouldn't have got out of shape. Nope. <laughs> You'd never hear about it in, in the NRL. Drinking that many beers every week and half of Yeah. <laughs> All the footy heads will be finding you now on Instagram. How you be copying the abuse? Yeah. What else? What else do we got? <laughs> That's it for, uh, sports news. Mystery quote of the week. Oh yeah, athlete, which I've never ever guessed. Dieran's one nil in this, or two got, nil. You got it last week, Conor oh, McGregor. <laughs> that, was, that was a gimme for both of us. Yeah. We have to um, we have to guess which athlete said this quote. Oh, right. I'm gonna let Kate guess first today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It's an equestrian athlete. So <laughs> right, <laughs> I told you, I yeah. don't even know who they are. The quote is, um, if you're afraid of failure, you don't deserve to be successful. Oh. Yes. Is, What's um, it's a sport? Basketball. It's always basketball, Hal. Hal, <laughs> Hal plays basketball. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's one of Shaq's um, nemesis. Oh, I've got no idea. Um, Charles Barkley. What? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Charles Barkley. Wow. How did I get How that? How did you get that? I don't know. Yeah. I just guessed. That's like one of three basketball players I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love Charles Barkley though. He's awesome. Yeah, he's cool. He's a, he was a savage on the court. Yeah. Very physical. Posing character. Cool. One cool. all. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, now for... Our favourite part. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me and laughing. No. no the Miyamoto Musashi philosophy, end quote. Uh-huh. And how usually, you know, we look at the book of five rings, some of Musashi's old stuff and try and apply it to modern topics like gut health. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know when Miyamoto Musashi sat down and wrote his a thousand quotes, yeah. um, he, he had gut health on the forefront of his mind. Yeah. So what did he have to say about well, gut actually, health? Well, actually... 
fun fact, <laughs> Miyamoto Musashi died from some kind of stomach cancer or something like that. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Not no, enough kimchi. No samurai could kill him, but, you know, God help did. Well, wow. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So it says that's more that's more <laughs> yeah. um, informative than his quote. Yeah, I didn't know. Well, that. they don't know because it's hard to diagnose in the 1600s what exactly <laughs> killed him. But <laughs> <laughs> definitely microbiome. Yeah. <laughs> tell. Okay, so okay, the, well, the quote of the quote. week is okay. Hang on, you know the rules. Get Deep nice voice. and close to the mic. Nobody is strong and nobody is weak if he conceives conceives of the body from the head to the sole of the foot. As a unity in which a living mind circulates everywhere equally. I'm so lost. Yeah. Well, what he's saying is, you know, <laughs> nobody's strong and nobody's weak if you think of yourself from your head to your feet. Just like gut health, you know, you got to think of your, right. your gut health mm. from your mouth to your anus, you know. Mouth to anus. <laughs> I think we should replace that quote with, instead of head to feet, it should be mouth to anus. Mm, well, you know, the, the, the meaning is still there. <laughs> So, so what what would you take from that quote? How would you apply that to gut health, Darren? Uh, well, all stages of your gut are important. You know, sitting down, mm. mindfully eating. Uh, you know, having the correct enzymes in your stomach to break down food, chewing your food correctly, having good fiber, good bacteria in your gut, in your gut, gut, and um, you know, um, can make you strong. Yeah, and you know, if you need at the other end, some glitter poop is always an, op- <laughs> an option. <laughs> Just to make you sparkle. <laughs> 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 uh, it's pretty cool how all of his quotes can apply to, to today's living. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. Everyone check out the Book of Five Rings if you haven't already. It's pretty cool. Um, anything else we want to cover? I think that's it for today. Cool. Hal, all good? Many thanks to Kate. For Thank you, Kate, Thank for you coming in. For hope you me. I hope you had fun. Oh, I had a heaps of fun. Yeah. This is good. good. <laughs> Until <laughs> next time, we'll get, we'll get you back on in the yeah. uh, in the near future again. Yeah, I've got heaps more info there. So. Ooh, cool. What could be one of our next topics that we could discuss? Well, we could probably delve into dive down one of those rabbit holes of you know maybe looking at the gut mind connection or Ooh. or yeah. even weight loss and how it affects weight loss or, or weight. Mm. In general, not just weight loss, but mm. yeah, I think those be some interesting topics. Definitely. Even things like estrogen dominance. I know most of your listeners are probably male, but they're probably they got mums and sisters. And mm. estrogen is is well, still we, fairly. Um, we do have a lot of female uh, athletes using this. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so they should. Yeah. yeah. It's for everyone. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, thanks again, Kate. Thank thanks, you. Darren. Thanks, Hal. Thanks, Masashi Ross. out. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs>